Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reed. I believe that by changing how we respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it, we can move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life we want to live. The content of this podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not medical advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, disorder, or medical condition. It should never replace any advice given to you by your physician or any other licensed healthcare provider. Insomnia Coach LLC offers coaching services only and does not provide therapy, counseling, medical advice, or medical treatment. The statements and opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily endorsed by Insomnia Coach LLC. All content is provided as is and without warranties, either express or implied. Jeanette thought of herself as a great sleeper until 13 years ago when she moved and her work schedule became less consistent. She started to stay up later and sleep in later and this led to some sleep disruption. When Jeanette tried to fix this, she ended up going down the insomnia rabbit hole and started researching how to get rid of her insomnia. The more research she did, the more she tried to fix her sleep, the more rules and rituals she engaged in, and the more she found herself struggling. After working with me, Jeanette's sleep improved, but one night, She woke up and found that she couldn't fall back to sleep, and all her old fears returned. She felt that something must be wrong with her, as she found herself waking and finding it impossible to fall back to sleep, night after night. This pulled Jeanette back into her old safety behaviours that she knew from experience weren't helpful, because she just didn't know what else to do. In this episode... Jeanette describes how she moved away from the insomnia struggle, how she became more comfortable with nighttime wakefulness, how she stopped chasing after sleep, how she started to allow her mind to generate whatever thoughts it chose to generate, even the difficult ones, and how she started to be kinder to herself when things were difficult. Perhaps most importantly of all, Jeanette's story shows that ups and downs are normal and to be expected. Just as we will have difficult days from time to time, we will have difficult nights from time to time. What truly matters is how we respond. Okay, Jeanette, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come onto the podcast. You're welcome. Glad to be here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation, so let's just get started. Um, I like to start right at the beginning, so um, can you tell us a little bit more about when your sleep problems first began and what you think may have caused those initial issues with sleep? Yeah, so my sleep problems, I never had problems sleeping um, in my teens, my 20s. I was a great sleeper, like a really great sleeper. I brag about it, like... I needed to get my eight, nine hours. Um, so I was always a little obsessive about it, but I was a great sleeper. And then right uh, about 13 years ago, I was living in LA and I had, um, I'm a personal trainer. So my job was pretty consistent as far as the schedule. 
But I, um, around 30, I moved to Hollywood. I wanted to change. So I moved to a little, little city outside of Hollywood that I liked. And I commuted to work three days a week. And on the other two days, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I worked from home. And like a online job that kept me pretty busy, but I could start it at whatever time I wanted. So my insomnia started right around this time because, um, looking back, I had a schedule. Um, when I was personal training before I had moved. And then when I had gotten this online job on those days, I would sleep in and I would generally go out maybe the night before and not know why I was having trouble waking up at, cause I had early clients. So on the other days I had to get up at four 30 in the morning and I could no longer fall asleep on the nights before. And it's just because I believe my schedule was completely erratic. So some days I was waking up at 4 a.m., other days 10 a.m., 8. So then my sleep just started to struggle from that point on. And I didn't know why. I just thought, oh my gosh, what is going on with me? Why can't I fall asleep anymore? And that's when the search started. That's when I just started down the rabbit hole. And it never stopped. <laughs> so... so. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yeah. that? So, you know, yeah. you know, because when, whenever we're faced with a problem as human beings, we want to fix that yeah. problem, right? Yes. Um, but sleep is one of these outliers that tends not to respond well to effort, which, you know, we all know once we've gone through that journey and come out the other side, but when we're really trapped mm -hmm. in that struggle, um, yeah. boy, you know, we'll do anything to get out of it. And that usually involves lots of experiments, lots of rituals, lots of efforts. Um, yeah. So yeah, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your sure. experience there? So just like so many other people, I immediately started researching, started going to the internet, looking for things I could try. So it started with just uh, the sleep hygiene, keeping my room cold or a blackout curtains, eye mask. I, I developed a lot of rituals. Then I started to do acupuncture. I, um, I'm living in LA, so there's a plethora of holistic doctors. So I saw, um, I just started seeing just random healers, <laughs> people that, that told me that something in my past life was contributing to the problem. Um, I, I wrote all of them down. I did hypnosis. I spent a lot of money on hypnosis. I, um, I bought a machine. It's called, I, I just tried so many crazy things. This thing that you put around your head, it's called trans TDCS, some sort of stimulation for your brain, which I think can be actually dangerous. Um, I tried um, sweat lodges, everything I could think of, <laughs> crystals. And then I um, started taking sleeping pills. That's when I went down the path of, okay, I, I don't know what else to do. I started smoking marijuana and I started taking sleeping pills, but I didn't, I had no idea what I was actually taking. I got them from a family member who was able to get them from Europe and I did not know. And they did, he didn't know what I was taking either. So I eventually ran out because it wasn't a prescription. So I eventually ran out and now I'm dealing with, which I didn't realize at the time how dangerous it was. I'm dealing with rebound insomnia. So it, it was even worse at that point where I could, I didn't sleep for days. I actually <laughs> slept in my car one night. I just, I said, I can't even be in my apartment anymore. I've got it. I've got to leave. So I went to my car and actually fell asleep that night, which is interesting. 
And so after about five days of that, I um, stayed at a friend's house and then I was able to sleep after that. Um, I, I was able to get a good chunk of like five, six hours. So I knew that I could sleep again. I knew my body was able to do this. But I still didn't know why it was happening. So I sought out the help of a holistic doctor out there. And um, he, I, I, there was wonderful experience. I started to sleep better. But I thought at that time it was because of the supplements. I thought, wow, I'm on this program. He balanced out whatever was going on with me. I'm good. But in reality, I just think I started to probably, like, looking back, I think my sleep got better at that time because I just started to, I didn't go out anymore. I wasn't going out at night, so I wasn't sleeping in as much. So I think it, everything regulated and I started sleeping better for a while. <laughs> and then um, it was, it never really left me. I was always worried about it. I always thought about it. I obsessed about the way I looked. Like, is this affecting my appearance? Um is this affecting my workouts? I just continue to worry about it. So that fear never left me. And then in January, December of 2020, now I'm living in Michigan. I moved um, back to Michigan and COVID. Uh, I got COVID in December of 2020. And um, I got it pretty, I lost my smell. And so it was a pretty difficult time. I got a little depressed around that time. And my sleep suffered naturally. But of course, and I was having like problems every so often before that, but it really, really suffered after I got COVID. And I thought, oh no, I'm, this is different. This is the worst it's ever been. And um, that's when I started working with you for, and I got better. But then I think it was September of 2021 that I just started to get worse. I don't know what, what the trigger was. It was just a, a night where I couldn't fall back to sleep. That's what it was. I woke up around like three in the morning and then I couldn't fall back to sleep after that. And then I was like, oh no, it is back, but that's never happened to me. Usually I can get back to sleep. So I'm thinking it was worse than it has ever been. Something must be wrong with me. And then I started going down uh, another crazy rabbit hole. I, I considered going to a rehab at that time. Like, do I need to go somewhere where somebody just has to take care of me for a while? Um, I considered going to the ER, psych ward. I was just out of my mind with what thinking like something was really wrong with me because of course the following night it happened. And then I'm, I'm waking up and unable to go back to sleep every night of the week. So instead of going back to what I knew I should do, which is just stay calm. It usually passes. I just went down another rabbit hole where I started smoking marijuana again. I um, started looking for the supplements and I started just doing the things that I knew weren't going to work. But for some reason, I just didn't know what else to do at that moment because I just felt so bad. And I think the reason why it it was hard for me to go back on the program was because at that time, I just felt so physically bad. And um, yeah, I just, uh, but then that's when I think I reached out to you or you reached out to me. And I just decided, okay, I'm going to do this again. I'm really just going to give this a real shot again. And I did. And of course, my sleep started improving. I started being able to fall back asleep again. And um, 
there was an interview you did that really inspired me. I, I, I'm a big watcher of the, your your podcast and with other people because that's really what fueled me during those dark moments. Just knowing that I think there was a lady who had it pretty much her whole life, and um, she said something and it stuck with me. It there's things going on behind the scenes. It feels like it may not be working at first. But I remember, I just kept saying that to myself, behind the scenes, Jeanette, it, it were, it's going to work. This takes time. This takes a minute. You've had this and you've had, um, you've had some deep psychological like changes around your thoughts around sleep. So this is not going to be an overnight thing. I, and I always thought, oh, by the third day, I should be, I should be sleeping better. And that's not the case for me, at least it wasn't. Um, so I just started to stick to the program a, a better too, because before the problem I, I think I had was I just couldn't, couldn't stick to it. I just had a really hard time getting out of bed. Yeah. But when I finally just committed and I, I, I just, just would dived into the podcasts and videos and it just, it helped me so much on this last uh, round of yeah, my, my last relapse. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much great stuff there to to just yeah. like unpack, you know, because I think a lot of people will recognize that journey that you just described. Yeah. Um, you know, insomnia from person to person is pretty much identical. You know, we we have a trigger for sleep disruption. Sometimes it's really memorable and obvious, but sometimes mm -hmm. not. Um, yeah. So we experience that sleep disruption. Normally, a lot of the time, we don't think much of it, but if it sticks around for longer than it yes. might have done in the past, you know, then that triggers the worry, the, the stress, the anxiety, all the research. Again, mm -hmm. completely normal reaction. We have a problem. Yes. We want to fix it. So we then really what it comes down to, we engage in effort. You know, we try harder to sleep than we ever have before. We put all this yes. effort into sleep. We might engage in rituals, experiments, again, all completely understandable why we do that. But it actually ends up giving insomnia the oxygen it needs to survive, you know, that attention, that effort, that strong desire to avoid being awake at night. That's mm -hmm. what keeps insomnia going. Um, yeah. And just as you experience, some of this stuff can give a short-term relief, you know, it yeah. can generate some, some improvements in the short term, but what can happen is when we then try and move away from those things, mm -hmm we're back to where we started, you know, because we never really got to that root issue, which is addressing that that really strong desire to avoid being awake. You know, I think yes. what it comes down to <laughs> is if we're willing, if we can get to a place where we're more willing for insomnia to exist, it tends not to exist. But yeah. when we're really desperate for it not to exist, it's really likely to exist. Oh, yeah. Um, so all of that, you know, and it... It's like, it's also important to recognize too that the worry and the anxiety and the stress and all those difficult thoughts and feelings, they're not necessarily like a cause of insomnia just because we're stressed or anxious or worried. That doesn't mean that we're going to have a really difficult night. Mm -hmm. But when we start to struggle with that, you know, when we try and push or fight or avoid all that difficult stuff, all those thoughts and emotions, I think that's what then definitely can generate some difficult nights absolutely um, and you know again it's it's our human nature we don't like feeling anxious or worried or stressed so we want to try and push that stuff away but just like mm -hmm. sleep 
we can't control. We can't control what goes on inside our minds. And the more we try, the more we kind of get tangled up in this endless struggle. And like, you know, I don't need to tell you and I don't need to tell anyone listening, that struggle is so exhausting and we tend not to make that much progress. Yeah, it is exhausting. And I think that's, that was my struggle, just <laughs> the struggle of not wanting to be awake. It was, it's it's still a little bit difficult. I, I've definitely improved so much, but in the beginning, I just was really uncomfortable with getting out of bed. I didn't like the idea that I was awake during the night. Um, I was always trying to catch up on sleep, catch sleep, <laughs> laying there with my eyes closed, just hoping it'll come. Um, so I was very, very uncomfortable with the fact that just that, that I had insomnia and that, um, this was my life for, for right now. Uh, I just didn't, wasn't comfortable with that. So that part was very hard for me to do, get out of bed and just accept the fact that I'm up and stay calm about it. I would, um, just like so many other people have experienced, go into sweats and just be hot and anxious and just be tossing and turning and every which way. And, but for some reason, I just couldn't muster up the strength to get myself out of bed. Or if I did, I would. It would just be to go to the bathroom and then right back into the bed or just a temporary quick break out of my bed. I would sit up and then get back into it because I just like, I don't want to be up. It's night. But now I know looking back that would just fuel my issue. Um, it just fueled it. it. It's just, uh, there's no reason to have a reaction like that. Um, unless you're just, uh, it's a habit. It just became a habit for me that I was unable to break. Yeah. You know, and I think then when we, when we, when we are engaged in that struggle, it's so easy to fall back into all those old safety behaviors again, you know, just like you mentioned when, when we found short-term relief from something, whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, when when we're struggling again it's so easy to kind of reach back for those things again you know to try yes. and to what are we doing we're just engaging in that effort again which again is understandable because we don't like what we're going through mm -hmm. but it's all that effort although all that trying to avoid the wakefulness all that trying to make sleep happen that yeah. really is what causes all the struggle um yeah and it really if we just take a step back and just think what is insomnia, you know, it's basically comes down to we don't want to be awake at night. Um, so we put all this effort into trying to make sleep happen. The brain detects us engaged in all these efforts. So what does the brain think? Oh, you're trying so hard to avoid being awake at night. Being awake at night must be a danger. It must be this threat. It's like a very real physical threat and a danger to, to you. So I'm going to be alert to protect you yeah. from this, this danger of wakefulness. And obviously that alertness makes sleep more difficult. Right. Um, so all those efforts that we engage in, they can give us some short-term relief sometimes. But what are we doing? We're kind of reinforcing that belief in our brain that this wakefulness is a real danger that it has to be alert to protect us from. Because the brain isn't doing all this stuff to make us feel bad. It's doing all this stuff to look out for us, but it's just trying so hard that it often ends up getting in the way. I know. I didn't understand that until recently, that, that whole concept, like that, how the brain is trying to protect you from this. You know, I just didn't understand that, but it definitely made sense the more I started to think about it. I'm like, yeah, that's 
it's definitely what's going on. You can definitely understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, because the brain is trying to look out for us and it's mm-hmm. sending us all these warnings, which tend not to feel good, you know, like worry and anxiety and fear and stress and all that stuff, because they don't feel good, we normally want to kind of ignore it or push it away or pretend it's not happening or try and distract ourselves. But then the brain thinks, okay, there's this danger. Now I'm trying to tell you about it and now you're ignoring me. So the brain then freaks out even more and it's like, has <laughs> yeah. to yell even louder, right? It's like if we yes. see someone about to cross cross the street and there's a truck coming towards them, we yell at them, there's a truck coming, don't cross the street. And they just kind of wave at us and carry on going. What are we going to do? Yeah. We're going to yell even louder, right? And louder yes. and louder and louder. Yes. So I think what can be so helpful is just acknowledging, you know, all that difficult stuff that the brain is generating rather than as we're all hardwired to do, trying to push it away or fight or avoid it, just acknowledging it. Like just even something as simple as just being like, I recognize that I'm feeling anxious right now. I'm feeling worried. I'm feeling scared. You know, just acknowledging that you're feeling that can just be one of those things that lifts a little bit of that weight off your shoulders because now you're not trying to deny it. You're not trying to push it away. And like a beach ball, the more you push it away, the more it pushes back. You're just acknowledging it. And then if you continue practicing this, you might be able to get to a point where you allow that stuff to exist, even though it doesn't feel good. You just let Mm -hmm. it kind of sit there and make a little bit of space for it. Maybe it will just hang out for a while. Maybe then it will Mm -hmm. go away. Maybe then it will come back. But we're just not engaging in that struggle anymore. We're not trying to push it. We're not trying to push it away. We're not trying to distract ourselves, which is so exhausting. We just let it. the mind do what the mind wants to do um, and focus on what we have control over, which are always our behaviors, no matter how bad things are, no matter how difficult they are, we can still move our body. And we can do things that can make unpleasant wakefulness a bit more pleasant. And we Mm -hmm. can do things during the day. These don't have to be huge things, but we can always do some things during the day that are aligned with our values and know that just help us keep moving toward the kind of life we want to live. Even when all this stuff is going on in our heads, even after we've had a difficult night. Mm -hmm. And if we do that, not only does it help give us the opportunity to make the days and the nights a little bit better, but it also helps train the brain, you know, that maybe this wakefulness isn't quite as much of a threat, you know, certainly not a physical threat, like a yes. bear waiting for you under the covers because you're making that wakefulness a little bit more pleasant by just doing something else instead of struggling. And then during the day, you're still able to do some things that help you live the kind of life you want to live. And I, I think that's all part of the journey um, mm-hmm. that we have to go through in order to enjoy, you know, this long-term improvement where we just see that insomnia current more in the rearview mirror than something that's controlling our lives. Yes, I agree. What also helped me in regards to just just allowing the thoughts to come in, it I think I mentioned during uh, in the email, like I was trying a little bit of um, during my relapse, I read about uh, acceptance commitment therapy ACT. And I thought, okay, I'm just, it, it really made sense to me, like letting the thoughts come in and come out and being mindful. But um, I also think that it, it led to a little bit more of a struggle for me because I thought, you know what, I'm just going to 
I'm going to lay here in bed instead of get up because that's what normal sleepers do. And it didn't work for me. I liked the concept of being mindful and letting the thoughts come and just letting them come in. But I needed the structure of the um, the sleep window, a real sleep window. I like the discipline of that. For me, that was very important. So both together, I think combined helped me. And, and, and I think just letting go of the sleep window was probably a really bad thing for me. That I, I was starting to let go of it. Because I, I would spend long periods of time in bed too. I forgot to mention that. I was that person nine, 10 hours just sleep in till whenever, just to just, and I wasn't even sleeping just to, just to catch up, but that didn't help. So the structure really helps me structure. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about the kind of changes that you made. Um, yeah. When we were working together or after, because it was a while ago that mm-hmm. we were actually working together. So there's been a lot that's happened in, in the intervening yeah. period. Um, yeah. And one of the first changes that we talked about was, what are your thoughts on spending a little bit less time in bed? You know, because the temptation always tends to be, I really want sleep to happen. So if I spend mm-hmm. more time in bed, I'm giving myself the opportunity for sleep to happen. But often this can kind of backfire on us and just lead to more time awake at night, yeah. um, which is one of the things that we recognize as being unple- an unpleasant part of having insomnia. Um, yeah. So how about you tell us a little bit more about your experience there? You already mentioned that you were spending a lot of time in bed. Um, How did you reduce that? Why did you reduce it? And Mm -hmm. how did you find that experience? That was a very difficult um, part of the program for me, just reducing the time in bed. So normally I wasn't um, affected by the going to sleep time. I I know a lot of people like, oh, I had to stay up until one. That was not a problem for me because I like the night. I'm a little bit of a night owl. So my sleep window wasn't incredibly late, started at about midnight, 1230. But because I was spending so much time in bed, um, I don't work mornings. So and I have um, structured my life that way. That's one way insomnia has affected my life. It's like no more morning activities instead of nighttime activities for me. It's morning. So um, I was going from like a 12 to 9, 10 a.m. window to you know, a shorter window and even seven hours seemed pretty scary to me. I know some people start out with even less. Um, so mine was like seven hours, seven fifteen, and it was very scary. And I did not, I was unable to follow it for a while. And then whenever I, so I would some days, and then if I had a bad night, the next day I would sleep through my sleep window, maybe over an hour. And then I would just beat myself up. Um, in the beginning, when I was working with you, I was just, I would beat myself up and just be so critical of myself. Like, yeah, you can't do this. You're a trainer and you're telling other people to do things. And, and, but it also gave me compassion for myself and for my clients because I, I know what they're going through in, in a little, in a way, even though I don't have weight issues, I have this issue that's so hard. It was so, so hard for me to stick to the program. So I have so much more compassion now. Um, for my clients, which has um, been great. But the sleep window was definitely very challenging. And how I, um, you recommended something that was very helpful. And and when I would hear like, oh, you have to get up and get out of bed. 
7 a.m. Like that was daunting. I'm like, I, I feel like a zombie. Sometimes I actually feel sick, you know, from lack of sleep. Um, but then you said you don't have to make it this event. Like you don't have to get up and do a five mile run. You know, you can get up and sit on the cozy couch with your blanket, with your cup of coffee or whatever, and start your morning out that way. So that's what I started to do. I remembered that. Um, so just started to pull myself out of bed, not beat myself up if I slept in a little bit, 30 minutes, that's okay. I would just get myself up and I did what you did, what you mentioned, just start my day really slow. And slowly but surely, I started to feel better in the morning. Like I, like the nausea, because I had a lot of nausea in the morning, whether it was from actual lack of sleep or my, I think it was more of my reaction to it. Of course, we all feel a little not so well after a poor night of sleep. But the way I felt was just, I wasn't able to eat sometimes. Um, but that started to get a little bit better. And then I actually just started just jotting. I, I, I wanted to let go of the um, charting. I didn't like that because I don't think that was helpful for me because I'm already a little bit of an obsessive person. But I would journal about just how I felt that day and the little improvements I was making. Like, oh, today I didn't feel I ate. I was able to eat within an hour of waking up. That's an improvement. So I just started thinking about instead of looking at all these negative things that were going on, I just started tracking my improvements. What what has improved today? And what have I continued to do during even some of the bad times and, and nothing in my life really fell apart, you know? So I think that was really helpful. Just the, um, slow start to the morning, um, have just journaling my successes because somebody else, I think this was another person I, cause I had spoke to many, many people over the years. I was just a snippet, like over the 13 years I had it, I, I saw quite a few sleep doctors and, and somebody recommended, oh, wait, well, maybe you should schedule an exercise class in the morning, something's like maybe yoga, something I'm like that sounds horrible for me to get out the door. I mean, that just sounds that even if it's yoga, that sounds horrible. So no, I, I and I never, of course, I never took the yoga class in the morning because that just wasn't going to work for me. And so this suggestion really helped. And I still do it that way. I'm, I'm not a um, get up and I never really was. I, even as an athlete in college, we had 6am practices. I was never, oh, I can't wait to get up. I was just slow as molasses in the morning, but my roommate loved morning. So we're all wired differently. You know, it's, it's so interesting, but um, yeah, I'm still slow in the morning and that's okay. Oh, that, well, I, I, I'm a, I think I'm a founding member of that club. Yeah. I'm the slowest person in the morning. I'm terrible. So it's just how we're wired. Mm -hmm. Some of us are wired like that, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's another one of those traps that we can easily fall into as well when we're struggling with sleep is when we wake up and we're feeling kind of lethargic and groggy, we can, we can assume that that's a, a a complete reflection of how we slept you know if i feel i feel pretty groggy yeah. and pretty out of it then that must be because i had a really difficult yeah. night and it, it definitely could be but mm -hmm. i know from my own experience and it sounds as though you know from your own experience that a lot of us we just feel crappy in the morning no matter what um yeah and what can just be so helpful is just getting up um just getting the day started even if it, we start it really slowly just getting yeah. it started just getting life going that day yes. um and often we start to feel differently as the day progresses in response to the time what we're doing mm -hmm. where we are and stuff like that yes. um i mean 
I like to think that when I first wake in the morning, that's the low point of the day. You know, that's the crappiest I'm going to feel all day yeah. long on mo- most of the time. Um, so I've got <laughs> big improvement to look forward to as yes. the day progresses. Um, but, you know, and I, I think that's where just getting out of bed around the same time every day can be helpful because often just lingering in the bed doesn't usually help shake off all those difficult, no. that, that fatigue, that grogginess. Um but kind of getting moving, getting the day started, no matter how slowly, often can be more helpful. And it's another one of those things too where we're not chasing after sleep because we're getting out of bed around the same time and we don't have to be super strict, like you said. Maybe one day we fancy like an hour lion or a half an hour lion. That's fine. We're human beings. Um, But just getting out of bed around the same time, we're, we're not chasing after sleep. We're not saying to the brain, look, I got to get sleep. I got to get sleep because being awake is a real danger. You need to protect me from this danger. Be really alert at night to protect me from being awake. We've got to get sleep. Mm-hmm. And when we're out of bed, we tend to be moving around. Engage, we're more likely to be engaged in doing the kind of stuff that's important to us. Um, and that's really what life comes down to, right? Life comes with pain and struggle and difficulty. Um, life is what we do when we're awake it's all the actions that we're engaged in so as long as we can just continue to do things that are aligned with our values that are important and meaningful to us even with all that difficult stuff going on that's really all that all that matters you know in a hundred years we're not going to look back on all the great nights of sleep we had we're going to be looking back on all the things (laughs) we did when we're awake even when we felt crappy doing them just the fact that we were doing them um, i think that's really important it is. And I think it's so easy to forget when you're going through, you know, a, a long bout of insomnia or a short bout of insomnia, we forget that. And I think a lot of insomniacs tend to be perfectionists and they want everything perfect all the time. And for me, I know that I just, I got into this mindset that I had to feel perfect all the time. And I forgot how I used to, like when, when I was a teenager, um, of course, there was nights when I didn't sleep. But then I was always waking up at the same time every day to go to school. And I think that's why I just kept that good sleep pattern. And even in college, I think back, I was living in Chicago. I was tired all the time just being from being an athlete. We were practicing twice a day, school, I worked. Um, I remember just falling asleep sometimes on the train, on the L, and I would end up at a different stop, like completely like, you know, outside of my dorm because I was just so tired. But I didn't think about it. I didn't sweat it. I wasn't like freaking out about it. It's just life is, comes with lots of ups and downs. Um, so yeah, I think when you're just in the, when you're in the crux of it, you just, you just think, oh, I this is not how I should feel. And in reality, yeah, there's going to be some days that won't be so great, but really how, what is, um, what are you doing during the day? You know, are you having joyful moments? And really most of the time, like you just said, the mornings are the worst times of my day, but even on those nights, I only slept a couple hours by the evening time. I'm, I'm tired, but I'm actually feeling okay. You know? And I would always remember that I, I, re- I reminded myself of that on those bad mornings, like Jeanette, by seven o'clock tonight, you're going to be feeling fine. Just, just let's get through this day. Stay calm, stay relaxed. Yeah, it'll be okay. So yeah, it's just so crazy how we just can forget and want to just have this perfect little sleep in life and it doesn't exist. 
Yeah, and I think that's really important to recognize, like to like you just said, just to look back on all the important stuff we've done in our life. There's probably none of those things happened without any kind of pain or struggle yeah. or difficulty, you know, because that's that's what life is. You know, life comes with all that difficult stuff along with the good stuff. And it's hard to achieve the good stuff without also experiencing the difficult stuff, you know. So, yeah. if, for example, if we... If we're studying, you know, if we go to college or even maybe we're still at high school, you know, and we're doing all that studying, we're feeling exhausted by it, you know, that that's that struggle. Um, we, if we're training to be an athlete, you know, you're putting your body through all of that, all that training, you're feeling fatigued, um, mm-hmm. but you recognize that in order to reach the level you want to reach, to kind of live the kind of life you want to live, to reach your goals, there's going to be that fatigue. You know, it's not yeah. all going to be plain sailing. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be struggle. You know, if you're training for a marathon, I'm sure you're going to be getting blisters, maybe some yeah. pulled muscles. There's going to be pain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. There's going to be pain in order to reach, in order to reach what you want to reach. You know, to live yeah. for for us to live a life that's aligned with our values, pain comes with it. You know, but that pain is necessary to serve to serve our values, to help us live that life that we want to live. Um, And I think it can be helpful to just recognize that because it's so easy to fall into that trap of just wanting to feel good all of the time, um, to want to have the best night of sleep every single single night. Um, But that just doesn't happen, you know. Um, And I think opening ourselves up to be more willing to accept or to to just experience the difficult nights, to experience difficult feelings to experience difficult emotions and thoughts just opening ourselves up to allowing that to happen and realizing Mm -hmm. that that stuff can all happen at the same time as we're doing what matters we're doing stuff that helps us live the kind of life we want to live i think that can be really important to just reflect on and to recognize i agree absolutely so we talked about the sleep window. You know, we've talked mm-hmm. we've talked quite a lot about everything that goes on in the mind when, yeah. when we're going through we're going through this. Um, you also touched upon what what how to respond when you're struggling during the night. And for you, it sounds like you found it helpful to practice getting out of bed uh, during the night if mm-hmm. it just wasn't pleasant to be in bed and sleep wasn't happening. Can you tell us a little bit a little bit more about that? Like what? Sure. Before you made any changes, were you one of those people that would you kind of stay in bed, you know, tossing and turning, trying to make sleep happen? Um, and how did you get to a point where you thought, oh, maybe I could change this and do something different instead? Yeah, I I was one of those people who struggled with getting out of bed. I, I tossed and turned um, pretty much all night, except for my my frequent trips to the bathroom for some reason that was just I think uh, anxiety driven I really didn't have to go but I would just go to the bathroom get back in bed get tossed and turn more and just have that and, and then sometimes I would fall asleep but I never I never was able to fully commit to just getting out of bed um then I, it, it's funny because I have a friend who doesn't sleep well and he, he and it's sad because he's very stuck in this I, I I've tried everything and he said something. He's like, oh my gosh, my bed, it looks like a mess in the morning. The sheets are, the, the sheets are off. The 
the bed liners, everything is messed up. And in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, I was doing exactly what you're doing. And I know the reason why he is not getting better. So I just, and then after that conversation with him, and then a couple more podcasts um, or interviews with people, I realized, okay, I really need to give this a shot. I think this is uh, starting to it's not helping me because I'm and I'm ending up with sore, achy muscles anyway. Like I really started to get real serious with myself and say, you know, if you don't try something, if you don't do something, you're going to, this is going to be your life for the rest of your life. So, um, because I think I am, I was a very, and I am still disciplined. This is one area of my life where I feel like I lost this. I'd lost discipline. Like I couldn't just do this. So, I just had some real good talks with myself, just like I would before a race or something like, you know what, you have to do this is something you have to do. You can do this strong. And it was just a lot of positive self-talk like, you know, just come on, Jeanette, let's go (laughs) get up. Let's do this. So for me, it was just realizing that um, I really had no other choice if I wanted to get better, that laying in bed was not serving me. It was making me more anxious, more irritable, more sore, sweating. Um, I felt like I was having hot flashes. I'm like going through perimenopause. That wasn't it. It was just anxiety. So just with being able to reason, again, my journaling, I was able to start making those changes in the middle of the night, but I didn't get up and read a book. That was never something that felt good, or I never was one to get up and watch TV. I didn't want to do anything that, that was just too much effort for me. So for me, it was just stretching laying on the ground, getting up. I actually got up, but I would come to my couch and then just sit on my couch or sometimes just listen to um, a YouTube station that has like uh, an image with rain or just something very relaxing, but not in an effort to fall back to sleep, just to stay calm. So I started doing that. I just started removing myself from the bed, either stretch or just sit somewhere else, but I wasn't necessarily doing anything. And that felt good to me that did feel feel good to me. And eventually I, um, I did have a big fear of my bed for a long time. Actually, I slept on this good old couch for a long time. So, um, at that point I was going back to the bed though. And, um, it all started, it was just slowly, but surely, but it took time. Again, this is not something that worked for me with five in five days took weeks and weeks. And I feel like I'm, I haven't lost the fear completely of getting up in the middle of the night. Like I still sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm up, but I know it's, it's just I'll getting, it's, I'll get there to the point where I no longer even think about it. It's just a blip. And then I go back to sleep, you know? So I think it was a process. Yeah. And it, and it is. And I think that's one reason why it's so easy to fall back into all these old safety behaviors, you know, that we know from experience aren't helpful mm-hmm. over the long term, but they tend to give us that short term relief, whether it's, you know, medication, marijuana, alcohol, anything, you know, any kind of external thing, because those things promise like quick fixes. Um, yeah. and maybe in the short term, they might help that way, but we kind of just end up kicking the can down the road, right? We know it's just going to come back sooner or later. Whereas this stuff, like changing our behaviors, the stuff that we can control, um, it takes practice and it takes time. It takes a lot more effort, a lot more discipline, a lot more commitment. There's going to be blips along the way. There's going to be struggle. But I think it is 
one of the best things we can do if our goal is to do better over the long term. Um, because really, like like we touched upon earlier, insomnia is just, it exists because of all the effort, you know, all the things we're doing to try and make sleep happen, to try and avoid that wakefulness. Um, mm-hmm. If instead we can do the opposite, so for example, with the sleep window allotting less time for sleep, what are we doing? Ultimately, we're just preventing ourselves from chasing after sleep. So that's a big sleep yeah. effort dropped right there just by giving ourselves an earliest possible bedtime and a consistent out of bedtime in the morning. Yeah. Now now we're not chasing sleep. Um, and the process of kind of getting out of bed um, during the night. I often get asked, isn't that in itself self a sleep effort? Um, I think it's the opposite of a sleep effort because if we're getting out of bed, we're not going to fall asleep at that moment, right? As the physical yeah. act of getting out of bed. Again, what are we doing? Really, we're just not chasing sleep. We're not putting effort into sleep. So if we're in bed and being in bed doesn't feel good, we're just going to do something that's going to make being awake more pleasant. Mm-hmm. So we're not yeah. putting all that effort into sleep. We're not struggling to get entangled up with our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. We're just going to do something to make being awake more pleasant. And again, not only are we not chasing after sleep, if we are able to do something more pleasant, the brain's like, wait a minute, I thought wakefulness was this physical threat or this danger. How can that be if now this wakefulness is starting to feel a little bit more pleasant than it used to? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we chip away at it. And like you said, it's not something that works within 48 hours or in three no. days or within yeah. necessarily within a week or two. Yeah. Often it takes a lot of commitment to just avoid falling into that trap of trying to make sleep happen, trying not to think something, trying not to feel something, um, and just focusing on what we can control. But what we can control won't necessarily give us immediate relief, um, but it's usually more helpful over the long term. Mm-hmm. I agree. I absolutely agree. I'm a testament to it. Yeah, it takes time. It yeah. does. So before before I move on, I did just want to ask you mm-hmm. like about dealing with those ups and downs as as you know, because they always happen. Everyone has difficult nights and as as we live as we live life. But were there any other changes that you made? either when we were working together or since then that you found to be helpful that maybe we haven't discussed or mentioned yet? Another change I made, it wasn't necessarily a, a change, but I, I dived into it. This may not help other people, but I it was really important for me to hear other people's stories and to know that what I was doing was going to help me. Because for some reason, I just I just had a hard time believing that this was going to work for me or that uh, after a week, if it didn't work, I would start to lose hope. So um, I just started adding more information that again, my brain, I just, I needed to hear it from other people that went through, um, you know, years of insomnia that this, this helped them. So I started just listening to more of the interviews and I just started to relax even during the day and do more during the day. Um, I dived into workouts again. So before when I didn't feel that great, I would skip my workout 
And that was also a huge thing for me. I go catastrophize like, oh, how am I going to, am I, am I going to lose my job because I'm going to become overweight, whatever. It was just horrible thoughts. But then I just started to really just live my life normally, um, which means doing my workout that I had scheduled, even if it didn't, you know, some days it wouldn't feel as good or I couldn't lift as heavy or whatnot, but I still committed to that. And I just started living more, going out with people. Even when I felt dog dead tired, normally I would have canceled. I would even cancel like a phone call because I just didn't have the energy. Like, oh, I'm just too tired for it. And I stopped doing all that stuff. Um, I started living my life more true to how I wanted to live it. And little by little, I just, I started journaling that too. Like, well, I did all my workouts this week. Or, and then I would really reflect on, all the new things I started to add to my life, which is just going out to dinners with friends. And not that I was afraid of, um, for me going out at night, I wasn't afraid of it because I was, I need to get back home because my, my bedtime was already pretty late. It was just more, do I have the energy to do this? I just feel so crappy or whatever. And when in reality, when I went out with that person, I always felt better. I was, was able to shake off the fatigue, um, and have a good time. So I think little by little, those just living life started to add up for me. And also being mindful of the days. That was something that um, I, I picked up too, is just being mindful on those days I wasn't feeling my best and, and be also being kinder to myself. I started being kinder. That's something I, I did. Whereas I was really abusive before. Um, just like you're, I, I would just constantly in my head, I'm a failure. I can't do this. Why can't I do this? Other people have done this. And I just said, stop it. Just be kind on those days. Okay. So you didn't wake up on time. All right. So you didn't have a great night. How do you feel? Let's go with, you know, just, I just checked in with myself a little bit more. And, um, that was really helpful. That was really helpful for me. Just checking in during the day and just doing more living all of that is so, so important um and especially that, that thing that we often miss is is just to be kind to ourselves right because what we're going through is difficult um and i think we can be really supportive to other people when they're going through struggle um mm -hmm. but when it comes to ourselves often <laughs> yeah. that all flies out the window and we're really mean to ourselves oh um, yeah we, i shouldn't be feeling this way or i sh i should have done better at that um but the truth is you know we're human beings um we have we have good times we have difficult times um and i think it's helpful to to recognize that and to be kind to ourselves um it's very easy to forget that and i think it does play a really important role in the healing process because yeah. if we're just going to be angry at ourselves um or disparaging to ourselves because we're struggling with something um it puts more pressure on us to do better and often that thing we're trying to do better at is something we can't even control and yet we're so hard on ourselves and when what happens isn't aligned with what we want to happen um, so yeah, I think I'm really glad that you mentioned yeah. that as something that you found to be helpful, just being kinder to yourself. Yes, it's so important. It's monumental. Yeah. yeah. Especially for those who are critical. Yeah. Yeah. So to, as I said, I just wanted to quickly touch upon, you know, the ups and downs that happen. Um, because I think it is important to recognize that 
there's always going to be difficult nights from time to time. Um, mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a life without difficult nights, just as there's no such thing as a life without pain and struggle. Um, what I usually find just in my experience working uh, with people with chronic insomnia is when that first bout of sleep disruption comes back, it's often the most difficult, you know, because all those old thoughts, feelings, worries um, come back. And often we're tempted to engage in all those old safety behaviors and rituals that aren't usually that helpful over the long term. Then perhaps we get through it. Um, then perhaps the sleep disruption comes back later on and it's still disruptive, still something we don't want to happen, but maybe it has a bit of a less of an effect on us. Yeah. Then, it, then we kind of do well, then something else happens. So I'm curious to just hear your thoughts. Um, did you find that you followed a pattern that worked a bit like that? Um, yeah, so the sleep disruption, that when, when I would relapse, it was always fairly scary to me but this last relapse I think was the scariest for some reason and even though I had gone through this so many times before um and 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 insomnia wasn't new to me and I know and I I knew most people's insomnia are the same it's it's like and there's not really many special cases out there but for some reason it really freaked me out and um worse than before, like all my other relapses, I was able to get out of them. But because I was only getting a couple hours of sleep, I really felt I felt more desperate than ever um, to to find out what was going on with me. But as soon as I realized, I, I think how I came to the realization that it was just another, it was pretty much the same as any other um relapse that I've had was again through the education. It's it was really important for me just to become um I went back because I have a lot of books on, on insomnia and I just kind of re-educated myself on things I already knew, things I had already read. And um I think sometimes when you're struggling with something that's so just kind of embedded in your brain, hard um it's very hard to get out of it, but for me, just continuing to work on just the thoughts surrounding that, just the thoughts around the fact that I am not different. I am the same as all these other people. This is not a different type of relapse. You're, you're going to get better. Um, that was, that was helpful to me. And it wasn't like, um, I did anything too different. It was more just educating myself again. Um, I didn't try any new techniques or anything. Um, it was just more of the education. Like, okay, all right, this person recovered. Oh, this is why this is happening. I'm hyper aroused. That word, um, I just kept remembering that word. This is hyper arousal. This is nothing more than that. You're just, you're aware that you're awake and now because of this awareness, your brain's trying to protect you. So just understanding logically what was going on was helpful for this last relapse. I think before I didn't quite get into the education as much as I did this last time. And um, it did help. It really did. All of the interviews are so helpful. I want to shake every 
person's hand who's done an interview because each one had something like a snippet. And at some point you have to let them go too. You can't just listen to um, videos all day long for the rest of your life. But I think as long as um, it's helping, I, I didn't see anything wrong with that. So for me, that was education. Yeah. And the education can be such a huge component because it just strips away any mystery, you know, all those question marks because mm-hmm. insomnia can feel really mysterious when we're really caught up in the struggle. Like, why is this happening to me? Why, why did I, why were the nights once like this and now they're like this? You know, for yes. example, something I often hear is my trouble always used to be falling asleep, but now I can fall asleep okay, but I'm waking during the night and finding it hard to fall back to sleep. Whereas that was never the case. Yeah. Um, it, it's all the same thing. You know, it's all insomnia. Uh, it's all down to that hyper arousal, just like you touched upon. Yeah. Um, it's down to the brain looking out for us. We're, it's just trying to protect us from being awake at night. Um, all we can do is try and train it that it's okay to be awake at night. And to do that, we have to be more willing to experience nighttime wakefulness. Um we can do that by making it a bit more pleasant when it doesn't feel good, you know, and avoid mm-hmm. all those sleep efforts, all those things that we might have been doing with the goal of creating sleep or creating sleepiness. They're never usually helpful because we're putting effort into sleep and sleep yeah. doesn't respond well to effort. And we're reinforcing this idea in our brain that wakefulness is a threat, that it has to be avoided, that, the you, okay, brain, I'm tasking you with being alert at night to protect mm-hmm. me from wakefulness. And so as soon as we're engaged in those efforts, sleep becomes more difficult. Um, so yeah, the education lifts that veil. And I think a big part, another big part of that education is giving ourselves the opportunity to continue doing things that are important to us, even when we've had difficult nights, just like you were talking about, um, because it reduces the 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 kind of influence that sleep wakefulness or the difficult thoughts and feelings have over our lives you know mm-hmm. we're not we're not necessarily getting rid of them because these are things that we can't control yeah. the only thing we can control are our actions so as long as we just continue to engage in actions that help us move toward the kind of mm-hmm. life we want to live all this difficult stuff has less of an influence yeah. um over us i mean it still doesn't feel good but there's yes. nothing we can do about that. We can't make yes. ourselves feel great. But what's important is that we're just doing stuff that matters, that's important to us, even yeah. when all this difficult stuff is going on. And I think that's really key to these long-term transformations, you know, like like we're talking about here and that, that we have other guests talking about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it may not seem like it's working at first, but it is it there's things going on um that are helping and we just have to remember that like i told clients like i trained so many people over the years and many people with um i think to be mind body issues uh and i tell them like i'm not a doctor but these are the recommendations you're not going to feel it at you you know you're not going to feel the effects of drinking enough water for it may be months or eating better or your, your energy won't improve right away. But trust me, it will happen. I, and this is the stuff I tell my clients. I said, but if you don't start to do this, you'll probably feel this way for the rest of your life. You know, and it's the same, t- it's the same thing with these, this program or insomnia. Like 
it may not seem like it's working at first, and but I had to remind myself it is working. Just give it some time. Keep doing the groundwork, laying the foundation, and little by little, your thought patterns do change. Your, your mind does start to relax about sleep, you know, and it just starts to improve little by little, day by day, and and still, I feel like I'm still improving. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You know, I'm just like you said. I. I I think these discussions are so helpful. Um, and I'm really grateful that you came on to, to share your experience. Um, so, you know, like you were saying, you just want to shake everyone else's hand. Yeah. You, can get, you can shake your own hand too, because, yeah. you know, you're on here too. And your story is going to be really helpful to a lot of people. But there, there is still one question that I haven't asked you yet, which I ask every guest. So I don't want mm -hmm. you to, to feel left out. <laughs> um, and it's this, if someone with chronic insomnia is listening, you know, they feel that they've tried everything, that they're just beyond help. There's nothing they can do to improve their sleep. What would you tell them? I would tell them to hire a coach, number one. If, if it's something that you really feel like you're struggling with. I did know about this stuff. And I just, for some reason, I just didn't do it. I wouldn't do it. So give it a real shot. Um, really follow the protocol and give it a, tr a shot. And if it's too hard, like it was for me, hire somebody. It's well worth every dollar spent because I have tried everything. Um, you can, uh, maybe not everything, but thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on things that didn't work. Not one thing worked, not one pill, not one potion, um, nothing worked. But this, this does work and it's worked for many people. So if it's too difficult, if you just can't seem to do it on your own, hire somebody. It, it, it's the best investment you can make and give it a real shot. Don't just say, oh, that won't work for me because I did that too. Um, but usually those people may not be doing it in the way, like, just give it a shot. That's all I can say. It works. It really works. I've been through a lot with this uh with insomnia and I feel so much better and I'm, I'm just continuing to get better. So yeah, that's, that's what I have to say. <laughs> that's great. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. So thanks again, Jeanette, for You're taking welcome. the time out to come on and share your story. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the insomnia coach podcast. If you're ready to move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life you want to live, I would love to help. You can get started right now by enrolling in my online course or you can book my phone coaching package. My online course runs for six weeks. It will help you make changes that can create better conditions for sleep. It will help you identify and get rid of any behaviors that might be making sleep more difficult and it will help you respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it in a more workable way. You can work through the course in two ways. You can choose the self-coaching option and work through it by yourself with the support of an online forum that is available only to clients or you can choose to add one-on-one -on -one email coaching and work through the course with me by your side. 
with the one-on-one -on -one coaching option, you get unlimited email access to me for eight weeks, starting from the day you enroll. Anytime you have a question or concern, anytime you're unsure about anything, anytime you want to focus on the challenges you face or any difficulties that show up, you can email me and I will be there to coach and support you. With the phone coaching package, we start with a one hour call, voice only or video, your choice, and come up with an initial two week plan that will help you create better conditions for sleep and practice moving away from struggling with insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it. You get unlimited email access to me for two weeks after the call and a half hour follow-up call at the end of the two weeks. You can book the phone coaching package at insomniacoach.com forward slash phone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach podcast. I'm Martin Reed, and as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep. <laughs>